0: Hey folks, Keith here. Just a reminder that today's episode is part of our mini-series, Whiteboard Innovators. If you have questions about what this series is about and who OPG, the host, is, you can go back and listen to the episode that Olivia and I recorded where we discussed this mini-series, how it came about, and why she's involved in it. I'm really excited to share the podcast with Olivia for this episode and the other ones in this mini-series. I hope you enjoy it. Take care.
1: Hello and welcome back to Whiteboard Innovators. At Bain, we take our most innovative, wild, and out-there ideas to the whiteboard, where we translate them from a disruptive concept into a workable reality. Today, we invite you to grab a marker and join us as we sketch out what's happening at the forefront of innovation and entrepreneurship at Bain & Company. Today, we have not one but two very special guests, Ron Kermish and Donegan O'Keefe. Dunnegan is a partner in our San Francisco office and is the head of Bain's global strategy practice, which includes Next. Ron is a partner in our Boston office who wears many hats, including leading Bain's pricing product globally and running Bain's Founder Studio. Most recently, he also serves as the co-executive producer on this podcast. I'm excited to talk about the creation of Bain's Founder Studio, Next, and all things innovation strategy during today's episode. So Dunegan and Ron,
0: welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. It's great to be here.
1: Absolutely. My pleasure. Dunnigan, I'll start with you. Can you give our listeners a brief description of how you're involved in innovation at Bain?
2: Well, I think first and foremost, I think of myself as client serving in the first instance and most of my work at innovation and business building is with clients. Now, within Bain, it's important that we do it not just with Dunnigan's clients, but across all of Bain & Company. And so from my leadership role in the global strategy practice, we've been putting a lot of energy into Really formalizing how we work with clients on innovation and business building. And that's been a big focus of mine in standing up our solution next, working closely with our venture ecosystem team, et cetera. And then, one plank of innovation at Bain is how broadly our capabilities innovate, how we become more digital, how we move out of PowerPoint land, how we think differently about adding value to our clients. And I think, just like my other capability leaders, and with Oriel's Lankry's prompting, we've all been reinventing how we think about our solutions. So I think part of the innovation role is also innovating how we do strategy with our clients.
1: I'm excited to dig more into all of that, especially some of that capability work. Sounds really interesting. But Ron, I'll flip the same question over to you. I know you wear many different hats. How are you involved in innovation at Bain?
0: Sure. And a little bit on the flip side of Dunnigan's role is most of my efforts around innovation are internally focused. And I'd say there's two major thrusts. The first is within Engine 2, we have something called the Founder Studio, and the Founder Studio exists to drive disruptive innovation in the consulting market. And really its focus is converting consulting services into software. A great example is Helix, which we developed, which can do a phase zero due diligence on a software company with almost no actual consulting effort. And then a big piece of it is actually having people from Bain and our core rotate through the founder studio, get experience in an innovative environment. Some of them will spin out with their ventures, but the hope is that most will go back into the core and bring a new innovative mindset back to our core business. And so that's one major thrust. The other is I lead an effort globally for Bain to innovate how we recruit. And the truth is, if you recruited with Bain 25 years ago, you would totally recognize our process today. And meanwhile, the rest of the world has innovated quite a bit.
1: For those listeners who who haven't tuned in to Patrick Obied's episode, uh, we have a great EIR, Entrepreneur-in-Residence, from the Founder Studio, who's actually part of this season of the podcast. So if you're interested in some of what Ron just referenced, you should definitely be sure to check that out. It might be useful to take a step back. So what I'm hearing, Dunnigan, is that Bain has always been an innovative place, It's always been a core part of who we are, the way that we operate in the world. I'm curious, how has Bain's attitude towards innovation changed in the last 5 to 10 years?
2: Well, I think we've seen that our clients and their appetite to innovate themselves has really hit a new gear. And their energy to just really think deeply about what future back big opportunities are for them that they must seize. And I think that's raised the bar for us about how we're partners with them. And it's required us to innovate on how, how we serve
0: them. Yeah, Ron, do you agree with that? It's very difficult for me to agree with Don again, just in my <laughs> essence, but I actually have Historically, Yeah, you've had no issues in the past. This <laughs> I um, But I do agree with him. And, and I think we can talk about the structures like Engine 2 and Engine 1, but more than anything, there's really been a, a marked change in just the culture of Bain and how uh, central innovation is to everything. I do think
2: there's something funny, Ron, about the different sides of the table we're on here. I think if you were to say... Pick any time in the past of like, okay, which would it be Dunning or Iran, he was focused on engine one? And I would have guessed that I would have been the engine two guy, but it's super exciting to see you on that side of the fence in your very disciplined and structured way leading innovation.
0: One name that we shouldn't miss as we talk about innovation in Bain is Daryl Rigby, who did a lot of work laying the foundation for the innovation practice and in a lot of what we do uh, today. This is probably 10 years ago. One of the things that I took away that he talks about is you name any great entrepreneur out there who's a creative genius, and you may or may not have heard about their counterpart who was the disciplined side of it. So, for example, Steve Jobs in all those years had Tim Cook you know, on the other side of the table. And Daryl's got a list of the 20 greatest entrepreneurs, you know, and then he has a list of the 20 people who are working side by side with them.
1: Which one of you is the Tim Cook versus the Steve Jobs in this in this, Oh, I'm definitely the Tim Cook in this uh, <laughs> I,
2: And I don't think that makes me the Steve Jobs. But <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely agree that Ron is the, the Tim Cook.
1: You guys are sort of hinting at this, but the two of you have known each other for years. Then again, what's the best and worst part about working with Ron?
2: Ron is really hard to convince, right? He has a very high standard for what's true and what we should say to clients. And it just leads to higher quality output for the clients. So I, I love the outcome, but I recall many of my shiny new ideas getting left by the wayside.
0: I thought you were going to say buzzsaw, so I'll, I'll feel good about it. <laughs> I was thinking buzzsaw.
1: <laughs> Speaking of shiny new ideas, Ron, listeners might not know this, but you're the co-executive producer on this podcast. Truly instrumental in terms of making this project happen. Why is it so important for you to champion innovation at Bain?
0: Well, I've always been passionate about innovation and startups. I, uh, you know, after college, I joined Xerox's Skunk Works um, back in the late 80s, which was modeled on the famous Lockheed Skunk Works. And in the 80s, it's where a lot of Xerox's great innovations had come from. I was there about six months and I came to Boston and joined a startup out of the media lab. And it was an amazing product, but we had no idea how to create a viable, successful business. And so I thought, I'm going to go to Sloan. I'm going to immerse myself in the worlds of tech and innovation and business. I'm going to come out and be the guy who can bridge the gaps. And while I was there, I learned about consulting and thought, oh, that'd be kind of interesting to try for a year or two. And it's ended up being a 30-year detour. But I've always maintained this passion to be a part of the startup community and about innovation. And I've pursued it outside of Bain, sitting on various boards. I sit on startup boards for Bain. But I also, one of the things that drew me to Bain and that I've always found true is we hired a lot of people who have passion for innovation. If you look at the history of all the progress we've made as a firm, a huge amount of it was grassroots because somebody was passionate and took it upon themselves to innovate. And I think as we get bigger, it gets more challenging to maintain that. But I really think it's important that we continue to foster that attitude and that innovative spirit within Dane. And so I do everything I can do, whether it's playing this role in the founder studio and trying to rotate people through it or supporting people who want to go out and produce a podcast about innovation.
1: Well, incredibly grateful. Dan again, I'll flip that same question over to you. What pushed you towards innovation and, and innovation strategy?
2: Well, I alluded to this to a little bit earlier when I moved, this is probably now 15 years ago, when I moved from London to open up our office in Mumbai, you know, my clients completely shifted from 150-year-old global by leading incumbents to working with a set of founders in India who you know, had small businesses 15 years before, but now very, very large businesses and even bigger ambitions about what they could build in the future. And it really shook me and energized me. I mean, it was that they were asking a different set of questions. They had a different set of energy they were bringing to how they partnered with us. And it occurred to me that some of our, a lot of my work and a lot of, frankly, the IP we had developed over the time had kind of helped us in very clever ways, say no to clients about why things weren't going to work. And sitting across from founders who had already achieved the incredible, totally extraordinary, and telling them no wasn't exactly what they were looking for. And in fact, wasn't the right answer in many cases. So like really then thinking through in a world of incredible turbulence, which India is one of, uh, like a microcosm of, how do you build a business? And that got me excited about this topic of founders mentality. It got me to lean in more broadly on the strategy practice and kind of probably sort of set the seeds for a lot of this focus today. But I also, the second inflection point, when I arrived back in the Bay Area, I happened to run across uh Rishi Runta, who had recently founded with Elizabeth Spaulding, uh, the Bain Innovation Exchange, and just really got a lot of energy from him and taking him to clients and just seeing the productive spark that some of the insights around innovation in the broader ecosystem can really bring to our clients and help them focus on what they need to be doing next. And I think that also was a, Pretty big catalyst for me to get more excited about this topic of innovation.
1: Yeah. Rishi is currently on pat leave, but hopeful that when he comes back, maybe if there's a season two, we can get him on that because super interesting stuff that's happening right now at BIE. So the two of you have a combined 56 years working at Bain.
0: I've been here 28 done again. So if I do the math of 56 (laughs) minus 28, that's what year did did you join? I
2: think we joined around the same time. 1995. Exact same year. Yeah. I was an AC. Ron was a consultant.
1: Wow. I was born in 1994. (laughs) (laughs) So you both have been at Bain for the majority of your professional career. You both have been interested in innovation throughout that. It seems to be sort of a guiding thread. But I'm curious, how does that experience make you better equipped to lead internal disruption? And on the flip side, what are some of the challenges of that?
2: I see as many challenges as benefits, to be perfectly honest. I think one of the great things about Bain is these leadership roles are very intentionally servant leadership roles. Like it's not, it's us kind of helping others, as Ron referenced, kind of go forward and helping them scale their innovation journey. So I think it's, it needs to be less about us who've been at Bain a long time and more about how do we find the next generation of leaders who can really innovate. Now, part of innovation is not just where are the bright new ideas, but it's about scaling right? It's about how do we make make these things really repeatable. And, and there's probably something to having been at Bain for a while to be a bit thoughtful about how to scale.
0: Yeah. I mean, I agree with everything. You did, and I would just add one thing to it, which is, and we've all experienced this in our client work, but it's hard in an established company to drive innovation. There are always forces that are pushing back on you, many for good reason. The companies have been very successful to date with the way they've done things. And one of the advantages that Dunnigan and I have from having been around so long is just we've built up relationships and some amount of credibility that just gives us a, an ability to help break through some of those internal barriers that exist.
1: What are you both most excited about right now in terms of innovation or things that are, are breaking through at Bain?
2: It feels like we're in this moment with artificial intelligence, that there is just a, a new white space that has opened up in terms of all the ways we can think about innovating, both helping our clients reinvent their businesses, but also creating whole new businesses in a way which harnesses a series of technological innovations that have happened over time and that are now coming into fruition with generative AI. I mean, I just, and it's just a example. I mean, I I just, you just have this visceral feeling that the way companies build successfully and compete differently is just in 10 years from now, it's going to be entirely different. And I think the sense of what's possible, the sense of what's going to be hard about that, I think it's, just, it's, a, it's a fascinating time to be an advisor to important companies who are looking to, to really build something.
1: And how do we need to change and evolve in order to facilitate that?
2: Well, I think how we need to change, it's depressingly, it's exactly what we tell our clients. <laughs> so it's not, we are not unique to both the challenges and the opportunities. I think we need to move faster. And I think we need to bring more focus on scaling.
1: Are you saying scaling Bain's IP in terms of the frameworks we're creating?
2: Scaling solutions. I mean, when we figure out how to do something really amazing, we have great teams on the front line who are like, get really tough problems and we solve really tough problems. But how do we make that repeatable? How do we make that not just idiosyncratic to that individual team, but that model they built or that data that they collected or the partnership that they use to go deliver that? Well, how do we make that available to each and every client team?
1: It sounds a lot like the pipeline of what happened with ESG Flow, formerly ESG Lighthouse, formerly an innovation that was created on the front lines. I think in Bain India, is that right?
0: Yeah, but I think that's right, and and I think that's where Bain's doing a lot of the right things because we're putting in place the processes and the mechanisms to enable these things to happen. You know, when one example, you know, in a previous life at Bain, I helped drive the growth of our pricing practice and Sumner Mankin, who's a Expert partner in London developed this great piece of software that helps companies in the retail space optimize their rebates and their discounts. It has, you know, uses machine learning, but it wasn't enterprise grade. And so, if we were really going to build on that and use that to drive our our, to drive our pricing practice, it had to be enterprise grade. And that took a lot of resources from the firm to make it so. But now Bain has this committee that can you that does these scans and identifies opportunities and can allocate funding. And that's been key to driving innovation.
1: So shifting gears here, I've heard a lot about all of the wonderful things that are happening at Bain. In an earlier episode that I recorded, I spoke with Caitlin. As a reminder, Caitlin is a Bain alum and the current co-founder and CEO of League One Volleyball. When I asked her how Bain could better serve entrepreneurial alums, she said, Basically, I've benefited from finding ex-Bainy talent and investors and advisors. I did that out of my own initiative with little institutional support. Bain has this incredible asset called People, but what are we doing to connect them outside of drinks at alumni parties? Any responses to Caitlin?
2: I mean, it's such a great question, and it's one that we've been grappling with quite a bit. We are very excited this year to take a big step forward here in launching a Bain alumni fund, uh, Future Back Ventures, where we're going to set up a fund. To invest in Bain founded startups. And we're doing this for a couple of reasons. One is, I mean, just it's, just it's partially just a reflection of how incredibly successful so many of Bainies have been going off and founding companies, but also a real yearning from people at Bain to continue to stay connected to those entrepreneurs and figure out in a very structured way how we can be successful in supporting them. So it's not just about the small money we will put in investing behind these founders, but it's also about how we can bring the full global strength of Bain to support them.
0: One thing I might add to what Dunnigan said is one of the things that's been striking to me as I've been in my role in Engine 2 is how many Bain alums who have been or are in entrepreneurial roles also wish to find a reaffiliation with Bain and feel like they've drifted away. And so one of the things we're trying to do to make that happen is this innovation hub I referenced earlier. The intent of it is it's going to have a, a number of resources available to both current Bainies and ex-Bainies around innovation, but it's also meant to be a virtual gathering place where people can make connections, stay connected to what's happening within Bain, and let Bainies be connected to what's happening outside of Bain. And so, you know, it'll take time for the innovation hub to reach its full potential, but we're hoping that people will uh, will join now and and we'll see a vibrant community there.
1: That's going to be. Really exciting to be a part of. And current Bainies can join as well, right? Correct. So if you're listening and you're interested in plugging in with like-minded Bain folks and alumni entrepreneurs, definitely be sure to check out our resources section for this episode and engage with the hub. We're reaching the end of our time together. I'm very sad about it. I like to finish all of our episodes with this question. You know, at Bain, we're guided by our true north What's been the true north for you throughout your career? I'll add there, how has it changed since you both started at Bain in 1995?
0: I mean, true north for me, and I I think it's very relevant for discussion today, is it's all about people. And if you treat others well and you enable them to be all that they can be, everything else will pretty much take care of itself. And the truth is, that's true with our own people. If we give them a license to go out and innovate and make the most of Bain and make the most of themselves, good things will come from that. And I think that's true with our clients as well.
2: I think like Ron, I'm a little bit surprised I'm still at Bain after all of these years. And if I reflect back on what's at the core of why I'm still here and what makes me energized for the years ahead. One is, it truly is our mission. Also I personally find the learning journey that Bain has provided me sort of very selfishly and the chance to work with great people from all corners of the world across industries continues to animate me um and you know I think each chapter across this long Bain career has been entirely different and I could not be more excited for the the chapter in
1: Well thank you both so much really appreciate your time
2: Thank you this has thank been fun
0: you.